G'day and welcome to Green and Gold Rugby Podcast 106. We're in the middle of the Lions tour. It's all happening. I've got Scott Allen with me, mate. How are you? Great, Matt. Good to be on. Yeah, good to be talking to you. Um, a little less kind of croaky and a bit and fuzzy than Sunday morning when I last talked to you. <laughs> it was a big day that Reds day, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. It was. Um, and it was. It was good fun and a good night. A little damp. I must admit, um, got a little bit rained on down there, uh, but uh, it was an exciting game, wasn't it? In, in the end of the day, uh, Lions still came out on top, um, but look, I mean, just to let people know what we're going to do, let, we're going to talk over those two Lions games, the Reds and the Country game. Uh, we're then going to have uh, a chat about what's been happening with the Wallabies squad, uh, and then just cap off with a little quick chat about uh, Super Rugby. Um, so, Reds... Uh, went down 12 to 22 to the Lions. It was a bit of a game of two halves, and in my mind, it was a bit of a what could have been. What, what did you take of the, of the game, mate? Well, I thought it was a great game, mm. and from both sides. I mean, yes, the Reds came out and played you know that up tempo game and run it from everywhere, but the Lions also they were attacking. You know, they were starting to show some of the attacking intent that I think we're going to see on the tour from them. Um, and yeah, look, that first 20 minutes, I mean, as you say, could have gone anywhere. The Reds were just all over them. And it almost looked like the Lions were a bit stunned by it. Um, they certainly in the second half sort of seemed to get their act together and, and handle the Reds a lot better. And of course, the rain came sort of late in the first half, and that made it very difficult for the Reds to keep going with that game plan. To their credit, they kept having a crack. Um, yeah, we we saw some great rugby from both teams. Yeah. But uh, as you and I talked off air previously, that the red set piece, you know, really struggled against the Lions, didn't it? It did, and I mean, you know, in my preview, uh, I watched the yeah, so I watched the replay of the game uh, on Monday, and as I sat there thinking, oh, I couldn't have got my preview much more more wrong if I tried. I think because um, I think in it I'd said I thought the set piece would be serviceable from both sides. Um, but the Reds, and I think the one that really let them down was the line-out. Um, you know, I thought both the Reds' second rows were good operators and are good operators, um, and, you know, uh, also the Reds' hooker, uh, Chipper Hansen, I thought, you know, that would be a, a little unit that would at least fire, but, you know, in those opening 20 minutes, um, they really had, there was, a, you know, a number of times they were, you know, managed to get themselves down to the Lions 22. It was going to be, you know, it was it was kind of the pinnacle of the pressure. You felt, you know, at least penalties would have come out of that and got the the scoreboard, you know, ticking. Uh, and it, it didn't. Um, you know, they and you know they were uh, overthrowing things, all sorts of stuff. And it really just left let the pressure cooker off, didn't it? It did. You know, and you look at that as you say. There's nothing wrong with the red second rowers and the hooker. You know, is is the third in line for the Wallaby squad. Mm. But what it was about, it's just the pressure that the Lions can exert, mm. you know, based on who they've got in their team. Yeah. And the size of the guys, and they're really dynamic jumpers, and they read things very well. So, 
you know, the Reds were running a pretty simple line-out pattern. Um, they were working on the basis that we won't use a lot of movement to complicate it. We'll just try and use speed off the ground. And I don't think that's going to work against the Lions. Yeah. They are fast. They can read what you're doing. You've really got to throw in some movement and some deception. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure you've, you've looked back through those lineouts, have you? And what, what was the key, what was kind of happening, basically? Well, well, that was basically what was happening. They were, you know, like there was, there's one in the, um, oh, I think it was, it was only sort of four minutes into the game or in the fourth minute, you know, down inside or five metres out from the, um, inside the half. And, um, or down, sorry, in the 22 of the lines. And it was simply a matter of they threw to the middle and they just tried to get off the ground faster than the Lions. And it didn't work. The Lions got up at the same speed, um, got a hand in there, knocked the ball back down, and that was a golden opportunity to score. Mm. And that was when the Reds had them on the back foot. Um, and, and that was the recurring theme. Um, that you, I just don't think you're going to beat these guys into the air. Mm. So you've got to beat them on the ground. Yeah, and who's that? It's cause, uh, remind, was, it, was it Parling and Gray yeah, uh, at that stage? Yes, yeah. yeah. And look, Parling was fantastic. Parling was stationed more towards the front. Yep. Gray was taking the back of the line. Mm. Um, and basically, Parling, as I said, just kept getting up in front of where they were throwing the ball. Yeah. Uh, it was difficult with a greasy ball for them to try the, the back throw. Mm. So, you know, they really had the front and the middle were their main options. And uh, Parling just sat there and picked them off yeah. at crucial times. Yeah, cause, and you're going to be doing well to be getting over Gray. <laughs> At the back, he's a, he's a big unit. Yeah, so that's where I say, you know, trying to beat them, even if you if you get off the deck before them, they are so big, and they're both dynamic, or they're all dynamic. Actually, that's the problem. Probably Ian Evans is the only one of the Lions locks that isn't a really dynamic jumper. He's still a good jumper. I mean, the Wallabies would love to have someone like him as a jumper, but the others are also dynamic, so they can be slightly behind and yet still get up off the ground really well, mm. and disrupt so when you've got guys that have got that advantage you have to beat them on the ground you've mm. got to throw some deception in there um, or you've got to have some movement to get in front of them you can't jump from behind them it just isn't going to work and that's what the reds were doing mm. well I, I just thought it underlined uh, it, it felt a little bit like sorry you know looking back at those over the years with the, with the wallabies lineup you know, and we've put in some great pressure through ball movement and then you know managed to get to a nice position and and then you know just lose those crucial lineouts um, at crucial points in games uh, when you should really be coming away with points. And I really felt that's what happened to the Reds. How would you kind of describe the rest of the kind of the, the Reds game plan? Because it seemed to be obviously it was up tempo. Uh, they spurned a lot of you know kicking to touch. Um, they obviously and I think a lot of people I think both the Reds and the Lions came off saying that was one incredible pace that that, that was set in that game. Um, and the Reds also seemed to want to get wide uh, quite a lot, and they, they and, and did quite well out of it. Um, how were they? You know, how are they kind of making that happen? If you like, well, the way they're making it happen is the defensive system the Lions are using is the English defensive system, which mm. is not surprising given you've got Farrell as the defensive coach. Um, and what they're doing is they're leaving space in behind their wingers. So you saw those wide kicks that Quake kept trying to run. Yeah. That wasn't just kick for sake. They had looked at the defensive pattern that the Lions have been using all tour, mm. and I'll, I'll do a video of it later in the week just to show where the holes are. There are two things happening. They're leaving space behind the line. So normally in Australia we have our nine covering 
sort of stays just inside the ball and runs in behind there, covering the space where you put in a chip kick or a short kick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will have, if you look closely at what the Lions have been doing, there's space in behind there. Right. And the reason is because they've got their open side winger up very flat in the line. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to cut down opportunities, which means that the fullback has to go a lot wider than he normally does mm-hmm. when most teams are on the defensive pattern. So you have basically two-thirds of the width of the field where the halfback roaming, and he, he can't cover the chip kicks because he's actually got to play where the fullback normally is. Right. So when the fullback wasn't getting across wide enough, the Reds were sweating on that. Whenever they saw it, the, the, Welsh, oh, sorry, the, the winger was in a little narrower and up in the line, and so he was trying to kick in behind them. So that's how they were targeting that space. Mm-hmm. Um, they also targeted space because the nine is having to wrap around and play the fullback position rather than a sweeper role, you would have seen that kick down the short side where they had a breakdown near the line and it's the box kick over the top and it's the one where they had to run it into touch. So that starts to show some blueprints of where that is. Now, when you look at that, that's not an isolated thing. If you go back and look at England when they play, the same space exists. Mm. You've got to have a really good box kicker to identify that, and Guinea is one, so that's a, that's a positive for the Wallabies. And you've got to have a really accurate kicker who can make those wide, you know, sweeper kicks. Um, and that's what Quade Cooper was trying to do. Some he hit, some he missed. It, mm. It's not an easy thing to get right. But imagine Falau out in that wide channel, racing down the line in a jumping contest. Mm. You know, there's some potential there. The yep. other thing is, if you look at the previous tour matches, including the Reds game, every time... A team has taken a quick tap. That's the Barbarians, the Force, and the Reds. The Lions don't react very well to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just don't move fast enough. So I think that's got to be part, well, should be, anyway, part of the game plan against them. Keep it moving. Yeah. Obviously, quick ball at rucks. Um, quick line-out throws. I, mean, I, I think you've got to stay away from their line-out as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Reds also showed that the wider channels are where there are some opportunities. And again, that's part of their defensive system. Um, so there are some spaces there. Uh, the other thing that we've noticed, it, not as much uh, either in the, the game last night against Country or against the Reds, there have been some holes opening up around the ruck. Mm. Um, but the only way to take advantage of those holes is pick and go, not a slow, and that's a quick pick and go. So as soon as the ball's at the back of the ruck, if there's not a half back there wanting the ball, the forward's got to pick it up and run. Yeah. Not slow it down, pick and drive, you know, three guys try and bash through them because yeah, once that they're gives set, they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're quite destructive actually, aren't they? Yeah, and look, they, so I think that's the game plan that any team playing them should try and adopt. We'll mm. see a lot of that, I think, from the Waratahs yep. because that's the way they've been playing all year. Mm. So it'll be interesting to watch and see whether it was just the Reds or whether the Waratahs can repeat it. Unfortunately, I don't think that's the way the Wallabies are going to play. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Wallabies are going to try and play the conservative, grinded-out game and, and win by two points at the end. Uh, and I, I don't think that game plan is going to work from what we've seen so far of the Lions in their defence. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I think you know, setting setting the defence and the attack and then doing that kind of one, maybe two ball out, I think it's just going to run into the teeth, isn't it? Um, so, I mean, the other bit you were just talking about that I noticed, and I guess this also strays into the country thing, is 
I don't know if it's a, uh, a fitness thing. Maybe it's the size of, of that Lions. Maybe it's the sort of the pace of the game that they're used to and versus the pace that we've been playing at Super Rugby. Um, last night in the country game, I, th- I thought they noticeably, you know, they, they couldn't keep the intensity up for the second half. Um, and, you know, their, their, their rate of scoring really slowed down. It's hard to talk about the Reds game because I think a lot of people would have put it down to how slippery the ball became. But they made they started making a lot of mistakes um, then as well. Their set piece dominance wasn't nearly as marked. Do you think there's some opportunity there? You know, as far as how well these guys, you know, you talked about keeping the pace up. Is do you also perceive that you know they don't seem to be able to do eighty minutes? Yeah, I do. And and if you look at the errors that are made, as you've already mentioned, that's one sign. Mm. But also look at the number of guys that are blowing really hard. So, you know, if you look at the game last night, there was a couple of guys towards the end in the last 15, 20 minutes where you, know, you could almost see them looking to the sideline yeah. for, you know, I could do with a break. You know, they, they kept going, obviously, but they were noticeably blowing hard. Mm. And that's where I don't think you want to slow them down. Yeah. I think you want to keep that pace up and be so committed to it. You know, not saying that everything the Reds did was right, but... The Reds stayed committed to that plan, mm. and that really started to pressure them. Um, and look, the Lions were good enough to get over the Reds at the end of the day, but that's where I think the difference is going to be. If you play that up-tempo game and really move it around, you've got a chance. Mm. You can expose all those things, the holes in the defence, the fitness, um, the ability to you know keep up their skills... But if you slow it down, I think you play into their their hands. Mm. So just talking, so switching it around now, just talking about some of the. I mean, it's you know, it's it's uh, obvious that there were some great things that the Reds did do. Uh, just flipping it back around to the Lions, they they are impressive in a number of ways, aren't they? And I think we saw it also last night. One of the things that impressed me is that their ability to counterattack um, and uh, profit from turnover ball. And those sorts of things, you know, the broken field running of guys like North and Cuthbert, um, they're really destructive, aren't they? Yeah, look, it's very dangerous. And, that, and that's where I think, you know, slowing the game down, trying to play the conservative route, you, you are going to get turned over at the breakdown from time to time. Mm. It's, it's just a fact. doesn't matter what team it is. You'll get an isolated runner or you'll get somebody who will do something incredible. You have a turnover or you have a drop ball just in contact and... All of a sudden, you've given them the ball back, and they can make something of it, can't they? Yeah, I mean, they they, they look quite Kiwi-like to me in the way that in the speed of their realignment, um, the way they move from defence to attack. It's just it's very very quick. And I mean, you know, last night I know it was a bit of an uh, unopposed training session almost, but you know, you looked up and they always had uh, you know two or three men lined up, you know, on inside channels in in, in uh, support. Um, they they really seem well drilled, especially in the first half. It's interesting. I think it drifts a little bit in the second, but especially in the first half, they really make the most of any opportunity they get like that. Yeah, and if you go back to games like the final game of the Six Nations between England and Wales, yeah. you know Wales who have had you know this up tempo game drummed into them by Gatland, who obviously is a New Zealand coach, knows yeah. the New Zealand system well. Yeah. If you look at that game, the two tries that broke the game open, both came from. Uh, turnovers, mm. or, or very quickly after turnovers, anyway, and there was all of a sudden the defensive line couldn't get set, and away they went, and they broke the game wide open, which is a game to decide the Six Nations. It was very tight. It was twelve three, you know, well into the second half, and then all of a sudden Wales broke it open. Mm. Um, 
And if not for Luke Moran against the Reds in terms of his defence, they would have broken it open with another at least two tries. The one to Warburton and the one to, um, I think it was North on the right touchline. Mm. You know, where they went nearly the length of the field, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you can't... You, you can't let them have that space. Mm. Um, and effectively, you know, some of that may mean not playing with the ball. Mm. And I, I know people, you know, don't like the kicking, but kicking can be an attacking part of the game. Yeah. You don't have to kick defensively all the time. In other words, just trying for distance. Um, you know, you try and take the opportunity by moving the ball wider through your kicks, and that's where I say there's space out there. Do that, then even if they get the ball back, You've got a line chasing it because everybody knows it's on. Yeah. The problem with when you have a turnover or a drop ball is it's not expected, so your line's not set for it. Mm. So I think the Wallabies could do with playing with the ball you know, a little less, which I'm sure is part of the plan. Um, I think, though, you'll probably find the Wallabies' kicking plan is just to kick it long. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting to see if they... Because, um, I mean, the Brumbies have done a good job this year, actually, of you know playing without the ball. Uh, when they need to, and uh, taking some of those South African uh, hints with uh, Jake White as far as that uh, chasing line you talked about. Whereas the Wallabies over the last few years, uh, to my mind, have uh, really haven't seemed to be drilled in that at all. So it'd be interesting to see if they've picked anything up there. Um, okay, so it's the Reds. I mean, what about, I guess everyone wanted to talk about Quade Cooper. We found out afterwards, but I think we all knew going in he wasn't going to get selected. We've talked about this forever. I'm kind of hoping this is a bit of a full stop on this, but... Um, you know, what was your assessment of his overall game? Oh, I think the same as everybody's talked about for weeks. Mm. He did things that no other 10 in Australia can do. Probably there aren't many 10s in the world can do some of the things he did with the with the length of pass, both left and right. Mm. Um, he made some mistakes, and that's the negative, and that's, that's why he just wasn't going to be selected. Forget about all of the personality things in the off-field arenas. Deans wants to play as few mistakes as possible. Um, he doesn't want to take risks, and Quade plays best when he takes risks. Um, if you look at the positives you got out of that game from the Reds, and you accept that to get those positives, you've got to get the negatives, did the positives outweigh the negatives? Well, I think they did. Mm-hmm. But his play, I don't think it mattered what he did on um, Saturday night against the Lions it does not suit the game plan that Robbie Deans wants to take in. Yeah, um, And he, I, I don't think he can play the game plan that Deans wants to play. Yeah, no, he's because, the wrong because guy. Because he has to change. He's the wrong guy for that plan. Yeah. So I don't think the decision was ever going to change. Mm. The um, Sorry, lost my train of thought. I had a point I was going to make about it, but it's gone. That's all right. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm sure it's been made a few times before <laughs> in this discussion. Um, we've talked about this one to death. Uh, switching the point of attack, then um, I tell you what, who had an f- absolutely blinding game, um, Luke Moran. He uh, did, didn't he? Oh, jeez! Not just, I mean, you know, and not just that, you know, boys' own try. You know, <laughs> beat beat three or four men, chip ahead, score under the post versus the Lions. Um, but then also his defence. You know, I think there was at least two try uh, saving kind of uh, situations he had his hand in, including the one where Farrell was literally over the line, reaching out to place the ball down. He got his hand in. It's quite amazing. Yeah. And look, he, he, he's done that, you know, a number of times for the Reds over the past couple of years where people have really sat up and take notice. He's had a pretty quiet last 12 months, though. Mm. Um, you know, he got selected 
for that 2012 test match against Scotland on the basis of some of the great work he'd done. But since then, you know, he's been pretty quiet. Mm. Well, but a, he showed a great return to form. It was, yeah, it wasn't a bad ad, especially now that we know he's, um, he's off over to the force, I think, isn't he, next, next season? Yeah, yeah. I saw the force at, uh, on their Twitter account had put out and said, you know, great game. So they're already talking about it. <laughs> well, they need some people to, uh, you know, be able to open up some defences, that's for sure, um, over there. Okay, so that was the Reds uh, going down valiantly, uh, 22-12. Yeah, like I say, I think it, it was one of those ones where you think, I think they had the right game plan. They did a lot of things right. It was just, you know, a few of those, oh, you know, a few of those errors at the wrong time um, really crueled them. I think almost anything could have happened there, and it would have, what a complexion that how that would have changed the tour. Um, okay, and then we had last night's game, combined country uh, taking on the British and Irish Lions. This was a real mismatch from the beginning, and you just had to wonder, you know, how how far it was going to go, but. You know, I've got to say, I was really impressed by the country guys in how they managed not for this not to turn into a, well, you know, a total um, tri-fest. I mean, they managed to keep it down. It was 64-0 in the end, a thrashing by anyone's measure. But especially even, again, into the second half, they managed to actually slow the rate of scoring. So the Lions only scored 26 points in the second half. And I think Cameron Blades has come out, the coach of country, saying he thinks there's quite a few hints that came out of this game again to you know how you can you know how you can uh, fight this uh, strong lions outfit what did you see i didn't see too many hints on how to fight them actually um, <laughs> but that that was just because they were totally outclassed yeah but you cannot fault the effort of the guys no i mean there's effectively club footy players most of them yeah. going up against test players and they didn't stop until you know the, the Hooter and well and fairly gone final whistles playing. They were great. Yeah. But if you look at the mismatch, I saw a stat today that the country boys had 13 carries with the ball compared to 90 for the Lions. Yeah. So basically all they did all night was, yeah, they'd receive a kick, they'd kick it back, they'd tackle, mm. they'd chase them to the try line, they'd go again. But they, they kept going. Mm. Um, it really was just a training run for the Lions. Yeah. Uh, so it's a little hard to get too much out of it. Mm. Um, but, you know, there were some fantastic performances from the Lions. Mm. I mean, Brian O'Driscoll, um, I mean, I've been saying for weeks he'll be in the test team. Anyone who had any doubt, you know, surely those doubts have gone now. Yeah, he's playing as well as I've ever seen him play and looking as fit as I've ever seen him look. Yeah. I mean, yep. you know, he, he looks just fantastic. And his little touches and everything, I mean... Uh, they on the TV last night. They were just showing, you know, some of the support lines he runs, and uh, he just, yeah, he's just got that all all round game, hasn't he? Yeah. What was impressive last night was the quick hands from the whole team mm. lines, the forwards. So they ran a number of backline plays, and you know, it, it was at the point where the country defender was right on a forward, and they'd still get the pass away. Yep. Um, and they were all starting to hit. I mean, there was a lot of drop ball. I know they said the ground was pretty slippery. And you, you've got to imagine that no matter how, what you said to the Lions players, they probably weren't 100% switched on. Um, even though it was an, you know, a, a, an advertisement for their own wares in the test place, mm-hmm. they're still playing country. They're still yeah. knew that it was country. And you, you're not mentally switched on and you make a few little mistakes. Yeah. Um, but guys like, I mean, Hogg playing 10, who hasn't played 10 since he was at school, and I thought he did a pretty good job. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he looked as, as you know, accomplished as, as, um, as Farrell has. 
uh, so far. I mean, okay, again, opposition was a little bit different from the Reds, right? But um, he looked good, didn't he? Yeah. George North was great. Um, so was Sean O'Brien. Yeah. Uh, I, I think he's really put himself in line for a test spot. Yeah. I mean, I think they're talking about maybe he's looking, he could be looking at six. Yeah, well, I mean, I looked at that last night and thought of the Lions team that I had named two weeks ago, he, apart from the injuries that have happened, he'd be the one that I reckon is pushing for that six spot uh, ahead of Croft. Croft hasn't done anything on the tour yet to mm. really deserve a spot. Tipperick has been fantastic, uh, but he's an out-and-out out seven, and I, I'm still convinced Warburton will be in the first test team. Mm. But then I started thinking, you know what, they, they could even switch Warburton to six and O'Brien to seven with Tipperick on the bench, mm-hmm. which... You know, that, that would be a very good uh, combination. Yeah. With Tipperick coming on later in the game, they would be a real handful. O'Brien, well, we saw what he did to Australia in the, in the World Cup. Mm. You know, I'm sure yeah. we'd rather not see him yeah. starting. But, you know, he can play six. Warburton can play six. So they've got lots of options in the back row. Yeah, I mean, that, those two form guys, I think you'd say Tipperick at seven and um, O'Brien at six. I mean, you know, Lydia, who is a fantastic player, he's on form, um, hasn't been setting the world alight and, and, and neither has Warburton. No. And mm. I look up, but as I said, I don't think Warburton's got to do anything more than just perform at a yeah. level. Yeah. That was his first game back for quite a while the yeah. other night. Uh, he wasn't fantastic, but he also wasn't poor. Mm. Um, I've got no doubt he'll get another crack this Saturday night. And as long as his form is reasonable... Tour captain, I think Gatland will play him first test. Mm-hmm. Could be completely different and based on form comes second test. But I could see a combination with, you know, an O'Brien, even if you had O'Brien on the bench, Tipperick starting at seven, Warburton at six. You know, that's that's still a pretty good combination in the in the flankers there. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at, um, uh, I mean, and just talking about about the pack, I thought it was interesting with the very first scrum of the game last night, and it was—it really did look like the country scrum was on wheels. They were just literally, you know, squealing backwards. Um, and it was—it was, it was quite funny because you saw the the back row had lifted their heads up, and then when they saw how fast the scrum was moving backwards, they all tried to get down, but it was too late. Um, but they did manage to kind of shore that up by the end of the game. And you know, I mean, you know, the, yes, and you know, they gave away a few penalties and whatever else. I just thought it was just going to be completely destroyed. But you know, but in the second half, they they actually managed to hold a few scrums. I mean, you know, yeah, they're getting it out quickly and everything else. But it actually seemed to solidify a bit. Yeah, I I think you've also got to keep in mind the the personnel changes for the Lions. Yeah. So you know, Rory Breast came on at hooker. Yeah. And, and Hibbert went off. Um, Hibbert's a very strong, powerful scrummager. Mm. Um, Grant came on from Scotland, the guy who's just come in to replace Corbuzero, and I, I didn't think he was going too well. He's quite a good scrummager, but Corbuzero was, was doing a, a better job than, there, than him. Um, and then Stevens came on a tight head for Cole, um, and Stevens went all right, but they had some changes in the second row. And again, by the time you get up to... It's 45 points to nil. You have a tendency to switch off. It's very hard to keep guys going. Mm. Um, so, yeah, certainly, look, the country guys fought hard, but that poor tight head in the first half, um, mm. the guy who got a bit of a run for the force last week, um, mm. Minchin or Menchkin, um, 
boy, he was under the pump in that first half. Yeah, he said he, he kept hitting the deck very hard. Yeah, no, poor guys. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, like we say, it was uh, 64-0, whereas I think the force went down, uh, you know, had 69 points put on them. So there you go. Um, and I think a lot of people have talked about, um, you know, with Foley's force then losing on the weekend pretty easily to the Tars. Uh, was that a smart move or not? Anyway, uh, is that for the discussion? So the country guy's doing okay. But um, the other bit that's then happened since we last talked uh, was the Wallaby squad. So we now know who the other six are. And also there's been a little bit of uh, uh, injury movement there as well. So um, the guys joining the squad, and uh, you might have to help me with this one on, on the memory, but we've got uh, Peter Kimlin. Yep. Uh, who else have we got there? Um well, Zigby Ioani's come back in, yeah. so he was always going to be one of the six. Uh, we've got Hugh McMenamin from the fourth has come in. Yep. Uh, we've got Pat McCabe, mm-hmm. who we know hasn't played a lot of rugby, but is a Dean's favourite. Um, we've got the rookie, Scott Seo, has come in from the Brumbies. Indeed. So, um, I mean, he's been going very well, hasn't he? He's a raw talent. Yep. Uh, I doubt he'll get on in any of the test matches, but he's one for the future. And if he has to come on, he doesn't look like he'd be out of place. No. So, and he basically, you know, has bumped um, Dan Palmer, mm. who, you know, everybody was hoping would be there, but he's, he's obviously got some sort of injury with that foot again, and his form has dropped off significantly. So I think he played himself out of a spot, uh, and CO just kept going well. And then, of course, uh, Kurtley Beale, who has been training but not in the squad. Mm. So he was the six. But then we also know that both Luke Burgess and James Hansen are training with them as cover for halfback and hooker, even though they're not officially in the squad. I don't know whether that means they don't get the T-shirt. They have to do all the hard work. They <laughs> do They do everything with the guys but don't get the T-shirt or whether they just you know, effectively are running 33 T-shirts around. Yeah. And then um, I think the only other change that's happened today is then that um, uh, to- Joe Tamani, the winger from the Brumbies, has got a fracture in his toe. Um, yes. And they're thinking that would then rule him out maybe for the first test. So uh, Luke Morahan, who we were just talking about, has, been, has got a call up to the squad, hasn't he? Yeah. And then the only other injury we had going into that last selection of six was Nick White, who unfortunately took that whack on the shoulder and was apparently out for four weeks. So he didn't make the cut either or obviously wasn't considered. Yeah, yeah. Um, for whatever, it just felt like if he was lucky, he might have made that, that had that Burgess position of training. But um, it, it kind of didn't feel like for whatever reason he was going to be in the contention there in Dean's mind. Um, so, yeah, out of those... Guys who have joined, uh, interesting Hugh McManaman. I mean, he, he looked solid for the force on the weekend, but nothing blinding. But, you know, he was back from, from injury. Um, interesting that he's in there. Kimlin had a brilliant game on the weekend, didn't he? That's, I think that's the best game I've seen him have in Super Rugby ever. Um, he really, really led the pack, I thought, with the Brumbies against the Rebels. Yeah, look, and he was solid for the, you know, the last two months as well. Mm. Um, he has had some good games, but nothing as as fantastic as he played the other night for the mm. Rebels. And, you know, he moved to number eight as well. So he's shown the versatility to play lock six or eight, mm. um, which is, you know, it's important. They need that in the squad. Hugh McMenamin, yeah, look, hasn't played for, what is it, something like 
eight weeks. First half, he was pretty quiet. Second half, he started to get in and, and do a bit more. Um, but if you look at the squad, I mean, one of the things I think comes out of that is, firstly, you look at what the Lions have been doing. And by the time they get to the first test, you know, all of their Test 23 will have been, you know, had the ability to play five matches because mm. I wouldn't think any of those 23 will play against the Brumbies. Um, but, you know, so they've all been playing regularly and getting that contact. Um, you then get to, you know, you and I are working on uh, an article where we, we're picking our Wallaby mm. 23. And, look, I looked at mine and thought that 19 of the 23 that I think will be there for the first test won't have played a game in three weeks. Yeah. And and the other four won't have played in two weeks. And then you've got guys like Hugh McMenamin, who will have played, you know, one match in two months. You've got Bill, who's played, you know, 30 minutes of Super Rugby and, and one Shoot Shield game in four months. And McCabe has played 130 minutes in the last two months. Yeah. So the Wallabies are seriously underdone. Um, I know, you know, they're saying, well, we, we couldn't risk injury by letting them play Super Rugby. What I don't understand is why there's not a game tomorrow, an internal trial. Yeah. And bring in the other, you know, five or six guys you need to make up a team and run an internal trial up at the Sunshine Coast where they're training. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, you risk injury, but wouldn't it be better to put together what you think is going to be your test side and say to the other guys, you've got a chance to take that spot and have a crack. There's nothing like playing a game. You can do all the training you want, even if it's semi-opposed. Playing a game is different. Yeah. No, you can't really have that excuse of rustiness. They've just got to go out there and do. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we'll uh, be looking to put that uh, together. Um, I uh, deliberately didn't look at your team. I saw your email, but I didn't look at your team because I just find you get influenced when you read somebody else's. So I'm going to do mine from scratch. And we'll <laughs> see. I, I can't believe there's that much, that much difference, to be honest with you. Um, when you. When you sort through those, I think it, it's kind of, I think it's relatively obvious about who falls into what positions, but we'll see. Um, okay, so that's pretty much all the Wallaby squad news, I think, uh, for now. Um, so the only thing left then was Super Rugby. So from last weekend, there was a, a bit of a, I guess it was momentous in a way, and that you've got to say that you've got to think the Brumbies have now sealed their win of the Aussie Conference with a 39-17 to 17, uh, demolition of the Rebels. Um, you know, just quickly, I thought that the Brumbies, you know, missing a few players, but they still looked pretty devastating. They, they you know, they played very, very nice kind of uh, clinical rugby, didn't they, against the Rebels? Yeah, well, that's the word I wrote down too, clinical. Mm. Then in the second half, and I know Jake White commented on this, in the second half he challenged them to keep going, mm. and they did. And they haven't done that for a while. Yep. So I thought that was a, that was a significant step up for them even without the Wallaby players um, who were just sitting on the bench, but that they played so much better in that second half than they did in the first half. And that was you know, a result of them wearing down the Rebels in the first half. Yeah. But, yeah, look, I'm very impressed. They, they look like their form has improved. They went out without the Wallabies and, and played very well. So I think no matter what happens, mathematically, they can't get out of the finals now. Mm. Yep. So uh, what, mathematically, they could still not win the conference, but for that to happen, they'd have to lose um, in their final match and the Reds would have to beat the Waratahs by, I think, 110. <laughs> so I think we can pretty safely say that they've won the conference. But no matter what happens, yeah. even if they had a shocker, they, uh, 
were, are in the finals. Okay. Um, that's the only you know, if we're in South Africa, you might see a result like that to make sure the two got through. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did I say that? Yeah. Okay. So, and then, um, so that's the Brumby, that's the Brumbies through, I mean, just in that game, I thought the Rebels were obviously missing, you know, without Scott Higginbotham as well, it was probably their only chance to kind of try and match up against the Brumbies breakdown and, and they couldn't. Um, yeah, and, and, and Hugh Pyle being out of their pack also made a major yeah. difference. Yeah. And then for the Brumbies, I tell you, again, we mentioned his name um, yet again is uh, uh, Fyanga Colby. Um, he looked great, scored a fantastic try. Um, he's really coming on. And he seems to me, I, this is the bit I wrote down about him, he seems to me to have a, a very good all-round game. You know, he, he, he can jack all over the ball. Um, you know, he can run, you know, distribute. He's a big unit. Um, I, I wonder what's going to happen, with, you know, in a couple of years' time. Might he be, you know, uh, our best all-round seven, I wonder? He's got a really good blend, hasn't he, between, mm. you know, both the ability to attack and, as you say, you know, defensively and at the breakdown. And I saw the Fyinga twins had said on their Twitter account the other day that they think he's the hybrid between the two of them. Yep. So you've got the forward and the back, and then he's the hybrid. <laughs> the genetic experiment that is the Fyinga family. <laughs> yeah, he's he's been very impressive. Yeah. When he uh, finally got that crack, he you know, and when you get an opportunity like that, you got to grab it. Well, he certainly has. Yeah, indeed. He's he's had, yeah, considering who he's had plonked in ahead of him. <laughs> Yeah, and then he's managed to get his his way out. He's, he's he's done pretty he's done pretty well. So that was the Brumbies, and then we had the uh, Force going down to the Waratahs, as we mentioned, thirteen twenty eight. Again, the thing I liked about the Tars' performance there was, considering the number of people that were out of the squad there, um, they seemed to again they seemed to kind of stick to, to game plan. Uh, looked like uh, they'd been you know pretty well coached through. Yeah, and I thought that, you know, they said there were 17 out, so 10 for the Wallabies and 7 injured. Yeah. That's an amazing drain on your, your playing stocks. And to still come out and play, as you said, the same way they've been playing, and to play at that intensity with a lot of those young guys, fantastic. It really does show you that Checker is not, you know, just a coach-by-numbers guy. He is a really good coach who can get through to any of them. He doesn't need to have players there for months. Yeah. Um, but... Some of the guys, I mean, for the force, I thought Cole Goblin was very good. Mm. Um, McMenamin was obviously solid. But the guy that just impressed me no end was Will Skelton for the Tars. Yes. You like to look at, you like to look at his game, did you? Well, I've seen him before, uh, and I've seen him at academy games, and I've seen him at academy training sessions, and this was before he went to the Tars. And I must say, you know, I wasn't impressed. I thought mm. he was just a bit slow, um, not dynamic. But as he's been at the Tars, he's been getting better. But oh, I thought he was amazing on the weekend. You know, the way he was working to stop those driving malls, mm. you know, getting over the top. He was so physical, though. Yeah, he did manage. I, you, I know you mentioned it. He did manage to do that a couple of times. The other thought that hit my head was I think that the Tars might have managed to get rid of the right Tamani. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the, the, the other brother, um, is it the Petty? Yeah, but um, he's gone to the Rebels. Oh, has he? Oh, Okay, there you go. They managed to get rid of both of them, don't worry. They've got rid of both of them. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Well, anyway, no, I was impressed by his game. Um, yeah. So I think the Rebels have uh, picked up the right brother then in that case. It's the Rebels who have done the, the smart thing, <laughs> not the Tars. Yeah. But, uh, you know, look, all the young guys for the Tars stepped up. Uh, the young guys, you know, for the Force played against the Lions, which, 
you know, it's incredible that Foley didn't at least give them all a crack to play two games mm-hmm. in, in three or four days. And if some didn't make it, they didn't make it. But to, to take away their opportunity to play against the Lions uh, and then go out and put in such a shocking performance, I know there's the, the people in Western Australia are, are up in arms about it still. Mm. They're not, not leaving it be. Yeah. No, he hasn't made a lot of friends there, has he, doing that? No. Um, okay. Well, that's pretty much it. So uh, in round 18 uh, this weekend, so uh, we don't have any... Uh, uh, do we have any? There's no. Is there any Super Rugby this weekend? No, no, yeah. all off. Yeah. Because um, New Zealand are playing the uh, the French again in the second test, and South Africa are involved in a round robin competition with Scotland, Samoa. Can't think who else. I think there is one other team that's being hosted in uh, in South Africa. Mm-hmm. So it's it's international rugby now. Okay, and then we've got a couple of rounds where there's uh, no Aussie teams involved. So round eighteen, uh, which is the weekend of the twenty uh, eighth, uh, and then uh, the round nineteen, which is around the weekend of this July the sixth, um, are just uh, games where you don't have any Aussie teams. And then we're back uh, looking on uh, July the twelfth and thirteenth, um, which. Yeah, which would be in the middle of the tests by then, won't we? Or, t- or towards the end of the tests, even. Tests will be finished by then, yeah. yeah so yeah. so we'll go into that last round of Super Rugby. Everybody will be back, all those that are left standing after the test matches. Mm-hmm. And that um, it would look like the Reds v Tars in that final game is going to be the all-crucial one. Mm. Uh, Tars won't be able to make the finals, but the Reds, I think, their whole season will hang on that final game. Good one. So in Sydney, so that should be a cracker. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, there might be a few of the Gaga crew making their way down. And it was great hanging out with some of the Green and Gold Rugby guys. And I should give, give him a shout out. He's probably um, in his combine harvester now listening. But Wheatman, uh, who's been a long-time listener, uh, caught up with, with him in the uh, car park of the Caxton, uh, that lo- lovely venue um, you know, where, where you get to stand and, and drink uh, Tins of rum and coke, uh, just like being in someone's backyard, basically. Um, yeah, after we're pretty the, after, basic. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need you know you don't need these fancy things to have fun, do you? Um, but no. caught, caught up with Wheatman, and it was good to see him. He uh, asked me to make a point, which was his feeling was that that wasn't a genuine country team last night, and there was too many city slickers in it, and it should have been just for for the country boys. I've got to say, I do wonder what the scoreline might have been if it had just been club rugby, you know club country players um, playing last night, but um, even though they put up a great performance. But anyway, Wheatman, good to see you, mate. Take, um, don't crash into a, the, the, the uh, neighbouring property. And um, can, yeah. can you imagine if it had been all country players, the whinging we would have got from the Lions uh-huh. and the accompanying press? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we're already getting it on the site today. Um, I think there's an Irish guy saying, you know, why have I paid all this money? Um, but, uh, you know... I guess he could have read the itinerary. He might have got a feeling for who was going to be playing what. Um, but you're right. It would have been, the, the, the moaning would have been even bigger. And for those who haven't seen it, um, we actually put together a moan or we, a lion's whinge checklist, uh, and uh, it's gone global. So the, the Telegraph and both the Daily Mail in the UK picked it up on their online editions. Um, and so it's, it's set the, the Brits and the Irish all off whinging about us calling them whinges, which is always entertaining. 
Yeah, they, they put their own list together in reply, didn't they? Yeah. And the only one that was any good was enjoy the cricket. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the rest were pretty weak from them. Yeah, I'm not sure what they were trying to do there, but anyway. Um, all right, mate. Look, good to talk to you. Just a quickie today. Um, obviously, we'll have more to talk about probably beginning of next week, I would think, after the Tars match. Uh, probably catch up then. Everyone keep your eyes out. I mean, obviously, the team lists, I think, are going to be out tomorrow. Um, and, um, yeah, and we've got a, yeah, another big, another nice weekend of rugby building up towards that first test, you know, just uh, a week and a bit's time. All good. Talk to you then. Okay. Enjoy the rugby on the weekend, everyone. Yeah, see you, mate. See you later. Right there, right there.